The following is a presentation of the Chicago Bears Network and ChicagoBears.com. Download the Chicago Bears official mobile app for up-to-the-minute Bears content every day. And now, welcome to Bears All Access, your all-access pass into Chicago Bears football. Bears All Access is brought to you by IGS Energy and sponsored by Athletico Physical Therapy and Art Van Furniture and Mattress. I like it. I like it. Those some folks from Loop Capital here at PNC Studios at Hattasaw, and welcome into another edition of Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy. With Tom Thayer, I'm Jeff Joniak, the rookie tight end Jesper Horstead will be kind enough to join us coming up in the program, and I like the feistiness of this crowd. It's small but mighty. Right. First time you ever interviewed a Jesper? I'd have to think so. Right. <laughs> I just you know, I had a chance to say hi to him out in the hall, and I said, you know, when, when you come in here, I want you to give a lot of long Princeton answers. <laughs> well, we might get that. He's a well-spoken man, that's yep. for sure, and getting an opportunity of a lifetime as a rookie and being a prominent fixture right now in this uh, final month of the season. And it's hard not to look at the whole picture and maintain your enthusiasm because you do, no matter what the cliches uh, say have to take it one day at a time and it's not sexy it doesn't mean a whole lot but it does for this 2019 Chicago Bears team that was very happy that the Vikings lost last night that certainly helps a little bit you know but a guy like Jesper his enthusiasm is important because he's you know gained momentum throughout the season he came here unexpectedly making the Bears and then got transferred from the practice squad to the active roster and then was able to come in and make a touchdown catch on a difficult difficult catch a play design where he was the third receiver. Um, and I think when you get a chance to get Akeem Hicks back in the mix out there on the practice field and you kind of see a little, you know, a, a, just a, a light in the distance because when he gets inserted into the active lineup and stuff. So there are elements right now that are really exciting to the Bears uh, going through these final four games. And you talk about two teams with an arrow pointed up and an arrow pointed down at both having the same record at 6-6. Six and six. There's a lot of positive things to build on with the Bears right now. And you've got to capitalize the momentum because I think it's really important to take that element and, and keep building with it and from it. Yeah, you have to. And you know, Matt Nagy today said he, he definitely learned a lot about what he has during the four-game losing streak because it could have gone any number of ways. He said it wouldn't, and he was right in the end. Again, a lot of things he says turn out to be true. It just takes some time to get there sometimes, and I think that's a message that that locker room takes to heart a little bit. Khalil Mack was very, very positive today, uh, very excited about what this is. He goes, it's almost like, in a sense, you're trying to do the impossible, and that's where the competitive juices flow. And as long as you got one of the guys that lead the way saying that, you're in a good place in terms of mentally going into that game against the Cowboys. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's always great to have the positive attitude of Khalil Mack, but I think it's even a bigger example when those guys go into the meeting rooms and they see what he does on tape. And it's not only Khalil Mack, the pass rusher, it's Khalil Mack, the football player. And when you look at some of the dirty work that he's willing to do, it sets an example for some of these other guys that need that example set before him to see how hard you have to work in order to ultimately achieve the success that Khalil has and he's going to going down the road. But I also think another important element of success in the locker room is the building blocks that Mitch has been displaying in the last three or four weeks. He's shown the improvement that we've all wanted to see. 
He's getting other players active, actively involved in the mix. While he's losing players in Trey Burton and Adam Shaheen, he's adding players like Anthony Miller, Javon Wims, and Jesper Horstead, who we'll, we'll hear from. So I think all those elements and how they fit in with each other to keep that atmosphere in the positive direction, Matt Nagy has always seen it, even though they went through that little bit of a slide. This is Bears All Access. It's brought to you by IGS Energy. Jeff Joniak and Tom Thayer with you. we got a 4 o'clock pregame and a 7.22 kickoff between the Bears and Cowboys on Thursday night. So that Cowboys team has been going in the opposite direction, not just three of the last four, but six of the last nine games that they've lost. Despite that fact, they have the number one yardage offense in the league. I don't care as much about that. I care about points, but they can score points. When they're humming, they're getting over 30 points a game. They've got the number one third down offense in football. They've got the number three third down defense in football and they've got weapons on both sides of the ball that you got to account for but for some reason the chemistry isn't working right they've struggled and now you get the almost uh on cue response from the locker room that we're angry and the whole week talking about michael bennett one of their new additions he's he's speaking up you've got players saying you know enough of the talk and everything that is predictable for a team that, frankly, is still in first place in the NFC East. Well, you know what? I, I don't need to hear anything out of Michael Bennett. I'm not going to have a guy that's been around the team for two and a half weeks and start giving speeches of inspiration to guys like Jason Witten who have been there for 15 or 17 years. The most destructive message that's filtering into the locker room of the Dallas Cowboys is coming from Jerry Jones because I think when you are the general manager, you're the tone setter for that team, you're the guy that's out in front of all these radio and TV interviews and you're not giving your coach a vote of confidence, that's super destructive to the locker room. Because who is evaluating me to tell me that I'm going to have my job here next year? If you're a position coach and you're going to be gone with the head coach, and it's not guaranteed that he's going to be gone, but they're setting that message, they're setting that tone that the possibility of him being gone now it really changes. So it backfires in a sense. Yeah, it yeah. backfires because, uh, okay, if this head coach is going to be gone, I want to make sure by the time the season's over I'm healthy and ready to compete in front of my new coach. You know, now do you sit out there and you give you put your say, you put yourself in the same position during the course of the game that you need to. But you're in first place. I know, but you're in, a, you're in a crappy division right now. You know, you look at Washington, you look at Philly getting beat by the, you know, the Dolphins last week. So, <laughs> yeah, but in the, in the big picture, if they win the division with an 8-8 eight and eight record, it doesn't matter. You're going to the playoffs. But right, what, I, right. what I'm saying here, though, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like that. But at the same time, there, there are things and elements about that game that the Bears better be ready for. One, they, they do have a very aggressive front seven. And Jalen... Uh, Smith is playing some really good football, middle linebacker. Yeah, they they have one of the most aggressive front fronts in all of defense. They can confuse you. They can overwhelm you with speed. They can put more bodies in one area that you have the capabilities of blocking. But on the same point, sometimes they can use that to their detriment. They can be pass rushers and not run stoppers. They can run by the running back while he has the ball in his hands, and he's up to the second, third well, The last level four already. quarterbacks they played, Daniel Jones, Jeff yep. Driscoll, who the, Bear, who the Bears have played both of these guys, and then last week Josh Allen all ran for some pretty good yards up against that rush. So Mitch could have opportunities to do that. 
and he's got to take advantage of them. I, I agree. You know, you watch the tape. A lot of these guys, they pass rush with their head down. And if they're, you know, you know one body out of position, they're not following through with their assignments. They have man-to-man coverage, and all the defensive backs are following wide receivers down the field. That would be a great opportunity for Mitchell Trubisky, you know, probably getting healthier himself and, you know, probably feeling a, another bright spot uh, with him along the way. Is that your phone? 50 push-ups. That's a finable offense, don't you think, folks? Because if it were me, I'd tell you what, he'd be calling me out. Was that your phone? Well, it's a message, and it said, hey, this is Coach Nagy just listening <laughs> to you guys, and Jeff is doing a great job. <laughs> I like no, it. No, I'm kidding. That, that is not a message. That's down there. I'm Jeff Joniak, and this is Bears All Access. Coming up, rookie tight end Jesper Horstead will join the program here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The and welcome back to Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy, a proud partner of the Chicago Bears, providing electricity, natural gas, and home warranty products to over 1 million customers across the country. Learn more about IGS Energy at IGS.com. Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer, here before a live studio audience at PNC Studios at Hallis Hall from Loop Capital, a fiery bunch and ready to go as we welcome in rookie tight end Jesper Horstead, the rookie out of Princeton, and now a converted receiver playing tight end with a catch that uh, is still being talked about. Congratulations on your success and the first couple of games active on the roster and, and making this roster. But with that catch, there's been – I've seen pictures all over the Internet. You know, it, it's got to be – I don't know if you're looking at them, but it's, it's heady stuff for, for a rookie to have that kind of play in um, just your second or third NFL game. Yeah, thank you very much, and thank you for having me, guys. Um, it is. It's kind of surreal, and the pictures are everywhere. My friends are sending me them, and parents are tagging me on Facebook and whatnot. But, uh, you know, at the same time, like, that's kind of stuff that I've been doing my career, and, uh, you know, it's just something I, I hope that I can do if the ball is as close and as good of a pass as that one was right in front of my face. I should hope I'd be able to come down with that. The interesting thing is one rookie beat another, Will Harris from Boston College. Right, right yeah. Uh, here's just, you know, a little, little tight end from Princeton making the big play. Uh, I'm sure that didn't go unnoticed by you as well. No. Um, yeah, it did not. Yeah, I mean, uh, he was a highly drafted player, and, you know, you had to work your way to get onto an, a roster and uh, undrafted and made this football team. So it's interesting. Roseville, uh, Minnesota, were you a Vikings fan growing up? It's okay. I, I, you I'm, knew I, the I, answer. Well, well either, you know, so did you gravitate towards the wide receivers of the Vikings as a kid, or did you gravitate towards other position players? No, certainly the wide receivers. Um, and I was a little bit before the Randy Moss era, but there was, like, you know, the clips were always there, and I grew up watching those. And then I, as I was getting older and really coming into, like, being a receiver, Thielen was developing as well, and that was so cool because he was a hometown guy um, that grew up pretty close to me, and I was able to watch him in that first preseason, actually, when he was fighting for a roster spot. So I always followed his journey very closely and looked up He's to him. He's a heck of a story. Yeah, he is. That guy's – I mean, yeah. did you get to know him at all? I never did, no. Okay. So your touchdown catch, just to revisit that a mm -hmm. second, your first step off the line of scrimmage, did you know you won the route? Because you had perfect position right. already, and the safety was kind of taking a – he's going, yeah. I'm not going to respect this guy yeah. at all. I'm stepping away from him. So from the first step, did you know you won the route? I had a good feeling about it. I wouldn't say I knew I won the route, but I had a, a head start in the race. Right. And then when you go back and you look at it on film, you see that one outside defender mm -hmm. to your right. He did a really nice job of both taking Cordell Patterson out of his route mm -hmm. and being able to laterally float out there with um, Tariq Cohen. And so when you get a better chance to look at it on tape after the fact, man, you, Mitch did a great job of 
going one, two, back to back to you. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm not the first read on that play. Um, it just really worked out the coverage that that I had the good leverage and the open window. Are you aware of that safety moving out of the place that the where your route's going to take you? I was. Um, I mean, in the moment, vaguely aware of it, but for the most part, I was focused on the guy that was just inside me and, and beating him to the spot. But it, I, I later, as I watched the film, I was like, oh, wow, that really worked out even better than I could have asked for. So your route to the tight end position, um, I noticed that when you were being, uh, you were going to go to the East-West Shrine game, they had a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. When, when did you morph into that, the body of a tight end? Uh, when I showed up here, I, I actually came here thinking I was going to be a wide receiver. And the first scout I talked to said, you know, actually, like, we're going to try you at tight end. And I was like, I've never put my hand in the ground before. Like, are you, are you sure? Like, am I wasting my time here? Uh, and then he kind of explained that they're, you know, it's not your classic tight end that you're thinking of. And, um, you know, think more of like Trey Burton. He's about your size. And we think that we can put some weight on you and, you know, teach you how to do that stuff. And you'd be a good fit. And, you know. I was very open to it. Kind of zim- a similar story to Zach Miller because mm-hmm. he was a quarterback and then they brought him to a workout and they said, get in a stance, we're going to look at you tight end. He's never been in a stance before. So when you did start getting into it, you know, you've seen a three-point stance your whole football right. life. Um, like, did you just get into it and go, oh, this is the way it's supposed to feel? Or because, you know, as long as I played football, it seemed like it took about three days before you really felt comfortable getting in and out of your stance. Yeah, it was not something that clicked right away. I definitely took practice and some help from the older guys. And even today, I don't always get in the exact same stance, so they'll have to correct me here and there. But I'm way more comfortable now than I was with it before. And, and yeah, it is something you see often and, and you just kind of pick up on. So you, you were undrafted, so you had choices. You had other teams, no doubt, interested. So did you start to question after the fact, of, you know, initially? Because obviously you've played one position your whole career, but they thought enough of you that you have skill set to fit into a different role, not that unusual in terms of the U tight end position, which is a move tight end because of your pass catching skills. But did you have to catalog it a little bit and think about it? So it wasn't quite how it went down, actually. So I kind of came out of college playing four years of receiver, and I was on the larger side, and I knew that, but I still was going for a receiver in the NFL. When I went to the Shrine game, I was a receiver. Um, and I got hurt training for my pro day and got hurt again on my pro day. And so... Uh, I did not get drafted, which you know I was hoping for, but not expecting. And then I also didn't get signed, so I got no calls after the draft, um, no nothing. And so my agent, you know, called up a lot of teams and said, "Well, you have this guy at your uh, tryout." Um, and some teams said no, and a couple said yes. And so we worked out two teams that we thought might be a good fit for me: this team and the Saints. And this happened to be the first weekend, um, so I was planning to fly to New Orleans the next weekend. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I kind of showed up and they said that and I was like, you know what, I've been marketing myself as a receiver, but obviously that didn't work too well. Let's try this. Maybe this is a better fit for me at this level. Um, and so I went through that, went through the rookie mini camp. Um, and actually, I think that they hadn't made up their mind on me yet. And so I, they're like, all right, I'm sorry, like we don't have a spot for you right now. So I packed up my locker here and flew home. But then when the plane landed and I had a call waiting from Coach Nagy and my agent saying they changed their mind, they made up a spot for you. Um, so it's kind of one of the last men in, canceled that trip to New Orleans, and been here since. That makes your story even more remarkable. Yeah, uh, a lot I mean, of ups and downs. I mean, honestly, yeah. when, you, when you look at it that way, this will be a story that we hope we can tell 10 years from now after yeah. a great career. Yeah, me too. Uh, Jesper Horstead, our guest here on Bears All Access. With Tom Thayer, I'm Jeff Joniak, and we're brought to you by IGS Energy. So in your conference that you played in in college, your junior year, 14 touchdowns, 92 catches, 1,226 yards, 
72 catches your senior year, 13 touchdowns, 1,000-plus yards. Were you a big wide receiver, or were you that much better than the defensive back talent you were playing against? Because those are impressive numbers um, for, for anybody at any college, any time. I definitely was a, a bigger receiver. I had a size advantage against uh, most of the cornerbacks I was going up against. I was probably you know about the same height, 6'3", 6'4", 220 to 225 most of the time. Um, and so I think that when people think of Ivy League football, they actually think of it as a lot worse than it is um, because as I've gone up the levels of competition, each time I elevate, so that East-West game was the first experience of that, and then here too, it's all the jump is always smaller than I expected. Um, and I think that's a tribute to the quality of football that's being played in the Ivy League. But, um, I mean, yeah, I think I had really good quarterbacks, both of which are in the NFL right now, um, and really good you know, surrounding teammates as well, whether it's the receivers or the linemen. So going back one more time to a high school playoff game, you had 19 catches for 293 yards. Is number, that it? Number one, was anybody covering you? And number two, <laughs> did you have an offense that exposed great receivers to this style of football? Because when I think of Minnesota, I think of more of, you know, the, the, ton, the weather conditions and everything you're playing up there. <laughs> Just back to your high school roots, was that a, you know, did you throw it more often than run it? We did because I had a very talented quarterback in high school, too. And, uh, I mean, we had been throwing it a lot that year, but that game was actually in, like, 25-degree weather outside and like a, at the University of Minnesota uh, college field. So it wasn't really passing conditions, but that was our strength that year, and the quarterback was just looking my way a lot that game. Yeah, he was. The coldest <laughs> game we've ever done, University of Minnesota, when the Metrodome uh, went belly up, and yep. we had to play that game. I'll never I'll forget. Remember we did that TV show outside that yep. place? That was the coldest <laughs> I've ever been. So yeah. God bless you. That's for sure. <laughs> Welcome to Chicago. It's a little, little, little bit nicer on a January day or a December day. This is Bears All Access. We're going to take a break here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Shredded cheese, beans, however you make them. Share your Bears game day nacho recipe at TostitosBears.com for a chance to win a Bears VIP tailgating experience and tickets at the December 22nd game against Kansas City. May the best nachos win. You got a particular uh, nacho persuasion? You're, you're a guy who likes to uh, fire things up in the kitchen. Yeah, as long as it doesn't include tomatoes. Yeah, you don't like tomatoes. I thought you were going to start talking about your abs when you read that. <laughs> yeah, when right. it started with shredded, <laughs> I was going, all right, here we go. That's Tom Thayer. I'm Jeff Joniak and Jesper Horstead, the Bears tight end here, joining us on Bears All Access from PNC Studio here at Hallis Hall, along with our fen- friends from Loop Capital. Uh, you are an all-around athlete, my man. You not only played... Uh, in uh, Metro Minnesota, uh, Metro Minneapolis uh, football, but apparently that was your third choice behind baseball and basketball. Is that the order? Because you also played baseball at Princeton and, and tore the cover off the ball, too, as a left-handed hitting outfielder. Yep, that's All right. right. Yep. So why, why football third on the list, now number one in your heart? Um, I think it probably has to do with success. I always loved winning, and I was probably on better – uh, basketball and baseball teams growing up than I ever was football. Uh, we had a pretty poor historic high school record, and it still kind of continues, unfortunately. Um, and so we just lost a lot of games. And football can be really brutal if you're just, like, losing and that it's not clicking for you. Um, and this is not to say I ever disliked football or that it was ever a runaway between any sport. Um, but I, I had truly loved all three, and if I had to rank them in high school, I probably would have put football third. 
but I never went, looked at pursuing basketball at the next level. Um, so when you were a kid, were you thinking big? Were you thinking you were going to be, you know, some 6'3 uh, shooting guard in the NBA? Or were you going to be a left-handed power-hitting outfielder? What, what, were you, what were you thinking? What was your life plan as a little kid? Uh, I, to be honest, I dreamed of that stuff, especially when I was younger. But I never really – there was never the plan, and I never expected it to happen. I kind of just – enjoyed each season of sports and my goal was always to continue playing them as long as possible but it was never like I was working towards you know starting in the NFL one day it was always just hey I really love what I'm doing right now um you know how long can I keep this going so are you surprised right now yeah I think I'm continuously surprised by how far that approach has taken me but I think but I think it's a really important message for parents to hear because you know there comes a point in time where you're going to make a decision when you dedicate yourself to a sport, and I think a lot of kids do it too young. You're probably a better football player now because of the hand-eye coordination that you got from baseball, the footwork you get from basketball and stuff. So was there someone in your life that said, hey, you need to keep playing all three sports. Don't kind of dedicate or decide at a, as a 10-year-old that I'm going to be pro whatever. I would totally agree with you. I think the cross training has helped me so much, not only from a physical standpoint, but from a mental standpoint too. I would just be so excited to approach each new season. And yes, I would say my parents were so supportive of constantly playing different sports and, and continuing them all year round. Um, and then I also was very fortunate to have coaches that understood that and also supported that because I know a lot of youth coaches, uh, they don't like it. They don't like it at all. They want you year round. They want kind of that control that comes with that. And my coaches were always very understanding, even if that meant like, yeah, I'm going to have to leave practice a little bit early to go to a AAU basketball game that I have. They were always like more than willing to let that happen. So you know, I remember reading a comment about you by Ryan Pace during training camp. He says, Jesper has a really high ceiling. What is that? Is your high ceiling going to come because you're going to become a better blocker out of a stance? Is your ceiling going to be exposed because they're going to find out that you are a tight end that has the receivers, uh, the hands of a wide receiver? Where, where is your ceiling when you know where you're at now and where you think about where you could be in years to come? Um, I think you can find my ceiling. I think what's most exciting to me is that I have never had an off-season of football in my life. This is the first wow. time I've played football outside of the fall. And so with that, you get great, I think, hand-eye coordination, in my opinion, from baseball and you know other stuff from basketball. But I think that I'm a little bit behind in the strength training and a little behind on some of the football techniques that you really get when you get to focus on that stuff in the off-season rather than you know when you're just playing games and it's hard to gain strength during the season you're just trying to maintain really so I think for me like you said the blocking and and kind of catching the other stuff that I maybe didn't focus as much on um, with the stuff that I was able to develop by playing other sports and so then I'll be able to be a more uh, better rounded tight end essentially you're a piece of clay for Kevin Gilbride yeah pretty yeah, much the uh, tight ends coach with guys that you're leaning on in that room as well, what, what have those conversations been like with, with those guys? I mean, you've got a, a gamut of players, guys with experience like Trey Burton, Bradley Sow making a conversion himself, then young guys. Uh, the, the, uh, I don't know if he talks much. He doesn't seem like he does, but he sure is uh, uh, the type of player you want on your football team, and, and J.P. Holtz, that real seriousness mm -hmm. to him, ruggedness to him. So collecting all this information and stocking it away, it's almost like going back to school a little bit getting your doctorate in football. It absolutely is. I have many notebooks that have been filled up already, and I think I'm able to get something from each of the players in that room. They all have unique skill sets and uh, different 
like expertises uh, in parts of their game. And so I think that, you know, if you were to trace back what I've become since I've become a tight end, the few things that might be signature to me, I think you would l look back and find a lot that came from those guys. Are the routes completely different at the tight end position than the wide receiver position? And can you take things from your experience as a wide receiver and incorporate them in tight end routes? Um, I think they're really similar, which is very helpful. Um, and so then I can definitely take stuff that I've learned. I've run a lot of routes in my career and caught a lot of passes, and I can apply that stuff in-game. Have you always had size advantage? Because it seems like as a wide receiver in high school and at Princeton, you'd have size advantage. And now when you think about the different people that are responsible for covering a tight end, whether it's a linebacker or a safety, you still have an advantage of size, height, range, and stuff. Can you, you know, can you transfer that to the – do you feel like you're being covered by less of an athlete now than you were throughout the early portions of your career? Not at all. Um, <laughs> and I think that the size difference is probably smaller as well, so that's when it becomes more important to focus on the art of route running and releases and, like, the finer things that are going to get you open rather than just being larger or faster than a, a guy. So – um, certainly, it's something I've been struggling with. Like, I do think Ivy League corners and people that were guarding me were good, but the people that are covering me, even if they're a linebacker at this level, are better. And so there's, there's stuff that I need to work on. Do you on. have spring ball in the Ivy League? Uh, they do, but okay. I played baseball. Right, yeah. lucky dog. Yeah. I would have hated you every day seeing yeah. you walk by the field. With bat, with a bat? Yeah, yeah, yeah that is baseball it. Practice. He hit 304 in his right, years right. at Princeton. That's right. pretty doggone good. We'll talk about his baseball career a little bit more and find out a little bit of his background. Jesper Horstead, one of the newer Bears you're going to see here. Moving forward in the final four games of this season and to the future, our guest here on Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. The Bears All Access is brought to you by CDW. People who get it, learn more at CDW.com. Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer, Jesper Horstead as our guest. The Bears tight end, our producers in the score studio, Sean Anderson and Brendan Orlowski, Dan Barilli and Paul Zarang here at Hallis Hall at PNC Studios. Before the break, we uh, kind of teased your baseball career, and it sounds like you were a heck of a player in baseball too, and I could throw a bunch of math out there, but... Your, your junior season, you had 324 at Princeton with 14 RBIs. Uh, I think it was in 36 games. You have a 312 for your career. You were a lefty bat and a highly successful high school player. So was there a possibility you were going to get drafted? Did you get drafted? I, I don't know that. I looked it up, but I couldn't see it. I did not. It. Uh, and there was certainly a possibility. Um, yeah, after my junior year is usually when the baseball stuff happens. And... Um, like I said, my goal was always to continue playing sports as long as possible. Um, and so it looked like that was going to be my best option. I was getting interest from teams, um, and it looked like it was going to happen. So I did a lot of workouts for a lot of teams um, in the spring after I finished up school, and they went very well. And I thought I was going to get drafted. And the way it works is not so much – I mean, there's so many rounds, so it's not really about when you get drafted, but it's more so about the signing bonus because you can have guys that go in the first round to get – you know, less money than someone who went in the 40th round. It's a very, like, weird system that I kind of had to figure out. But I, I set a number, ultimately, um, for what it would take to get me to give up my football career because the Ivy League has some interesting rules where if you get drafted and go professional in one sport, you're done with your collegiate career. So I would never get to come back to play football my senior year. I wouldn't be able to graduate that year because you kind of just go. Um, so I had to wait a while for that. And to me, you know, that, that, that made me raise my price a little bit. Um, and I, I got offers that were just below that, but ultimately, you know, I was kind of set on this number 
um, and I didn't really want to give up football or graduating, you know, a whole, everything that comes with that senior year. So um, it didn't work out. The draft came and went, and I had offers throughout that summer, even afterwards, um, to play professional baseball, but um, then I kind of just focused on football after that. Um, and that kind of bring me, bring me all the way, yeah, all the way through um, the spring, the next spring, and I chose not to do baseball in hopes of, you know, training for football and getting ready for the pro day. And then I kind of explained earlier how that didn't go as planned, but on draft day, no calls from football teams, three calls from baseball teams. Oh, that's interesting. So they were like, look, we didn't hear your name called. Are you still interested in playing? And I'm like, I haven't picked up a bat in a year. Like, am I really going to go down this road? Like, let me see if I have any football interest. And there wasn't very much out there. So I was like, you know what? I I did so much training. I guess I might as well, like, see. Like, those two tryouts were kind of it. Like, basically, if it didn't work out either one of those, I kind of would have said, gosh, maybe I picked the wrong sport again. Maybe I should try baseball. What what teams were they? Um, the Angels were most interested, but a lot of the East Coast teams that were been able to go out to my games were also um, in communication. The Reds, Yankees, um, Phillies, yeah. Interesting. You, wow. So there, there was something that separated you from getting drafted after your senior year at Princeton to the point that you made a, you made a practice squad and now you're on the active roster. What was the separation between you and baseball? What was the one element that your game was – Maybe couldn't survive through, had to get used to. What what was that element? In baseball, you're saying? Yeah. I had no power was really? the issue. Yeah, I had zero home runs in my four years, very few doubles and triples. I was a great contact hitter. I got on base. I was the leadoff hitter. But people don't really understand that when you have a 6'3", like 225 frame, they're like, well, where's the power? Like, this isn't our prototype for a leadoff hitter. This doesn't really add up. So I think that threw a lot of people for a loop, um, which is fine. I didn't really fit the mold. Was that frustrating for you not to have power? And did you try? I mean, what did you try to create that power? It was very frustrating. And uh, I tried to put on more strength and, and work on my swing. But ultimately, I stand by the fact that baseball is the hardest sport. Um, and it's not about that. It's about like mobility um, and timing and pitch recognition. And I was okay at that stuff, but my swing really just wasn't catered to be a powder, power hitter. It was meant to put balls in play, and then I was able to run stuff out with my feet. So, You're, You imagine, though, the power element that you're talking about that is involved in football is something that's as needed as it is in baseball. It's a kind of a different use of the word power, but... Yeah. You know, how did, how did you gain that confidence within yourself that you knew that if you had limitations in the power that you needed in baseball, you had the ability to develop those powers to play football? I think, I think actually in football it's just a little bit more straightforward because it is more strength-based. I mean, when you look at the MLB, you have guys that um, have, like, wiry, thin arms that are hitting 30 home runs a year, and you have guys that are very large hitting 30 home runs a year, whereas, like, for the most part in football – the guys that are creating power are strong and they have good fundamentals and they're low. Um, and so it, to me, I believe that really good coaching can get me there. And I believe the same with baseball, but, you know, teams didn't necessarily believe that. At, at the Combine, did you do like 15 reps at 225? I didn't go to the Combine, but at my oh, pro you, day. At your did, pro yeah, day, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, those are the numbers. So are, are you stronger now than you were at your pro day? And then as you were introduced to the NFL facilities, mm-hmm. um, 
you have the ability to make great strides um, in, you know, in great increases for yourself. So is the nutrition, is the technology, is the weight room, and all those instruments to help you, are, you, are they benefiting you throughout the season and, you know, even going into your first off season? Yeah, absolutely. The, the facility here is incredible. Um, and not only that, but the people that are in the facility are so helpful. That's the strength coaches, all of them. I've found great help from all of them. And the nutritionists, they help me put on weight and, and not feel slower. You know, and the strength guys are helping me get power and mobility, which is something I really neglected in college. Um, and so I think I'm not only stronger, but more agile and haven't lost speed. Right. Jesper Horstead, our guest here on Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy here at PNC Studios at Hallis Hall. Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer, here with the rookie tight end out of Princeton as we are cataloging your life right before your eyes in front of a live audience here. I bet you haven't talked about this much of your life before, although your hometown paper did a story on you this week. Uh, they did a nice job uh, kind of... Uh, going through your history in, in Minnesota, which, by the way, Tommy, was the 2015 High School Athlete of the Year in Minneapolis, and some of the names are, are all baseball players. You've got Maurer. You've got uh, Paul Molitor. You've got um, Dave Winfield, who was a two-sport star, obviously, too. So that's some pretty impressive company to share that, that headline with, don't you think? Yeah, that was one of the most exciting days in high school, I think. That was when I was a freshman um, – Someone I knew had won that award, and you know, since that day it was circled on my calendar because I always mm-hmm. valued being a, a well-rounded athlete. And there's also like an academic and you know, like community service side of that as well. And and to me, that was the award that I was always shooting for. Not so much like all conference, all state, but to get it in you know a general recognition for being an athlete was the uh, top. You know, you're, you're playing football now. You, you chose Princeton to play football, and had you know, had the coach said, "Hey, you know, I'm not going to let you play baseball," I don't know, you maybe not would have. Maybe wouldn't have gone to Princeton, but how important was it to you that an Ivy League school was interested in you beyond just football, it's academics, to, to go to Princeton, to have it on your resume that I am a Princeton grad, or was that secondary to football? No, that was certainly primary um, because the goal was to play sports as long as possible, but I knew that eventually that day was going to come to an end, and academics were very valued in my household, so... Um, you know, I was looking at the top academic schools I could possibly get into and potentially play sports in, but that was the priority as I was looking. Were you looking at anything close, or was everything certain distances away? Was there any schools in Minnesota or the surrounding areas that maybe would have been, you know, cl- closer for you that for to allow your support to stay a part of it? Yeah, um, there were a couple. I really wanted to go to Northwestern. They didn't really have much interest in me. Um, neither to the University of Minnesota. And, you know, I, I also was interested in seeing another part of the United States as well. So it just worked out that the Ivy League, I mean, I think that the two-sport thing played a big part in it too because it checked the box for academics, but then they also would allow me to play both, which really very few schools that I talked to did. It's, it seems like, you know, I've had the good fortune to be recruited because, I, you know, we had good success in high school, and I had an older brother that was a great football player. And it seems like the Ivy League is always a magical land that's almost unattainable because, you know, it's, it's smarter than everybody else in the world. So You when, mean they weren't coming to your house? No, no, but I did get letters. <laughs> um, but I, but I, I think about the guys that go there because I did have a, um, a high school classmate, two high school classmates that went on to play at Yale. So, you know, you, you think about that. 
you know, that far distance land of the Ivy League. And was it intimidating going there? Um, you know, you come from Minnesota, now you're, you're, you're amongst the brightest of the brightest in all of college. Yeah, it was. Um, on the football field and in the classroom as well, um, I got there. And like I said, I think I kind of, I thought I would be able to contribute as a freshman in the Ivy League setting. I think it always just gets talked down. And I get there and I was like, oh, wow, like these guys are really, really good. And then I get in the classroom and I'm like, wow, these people are really, really smart. <laughs> and I, I actually like had the misfortune of doing well on like my first test to be like, OK, I got, got this. this yeah. And then I took the midterm for that class later on and did horribly. And I was like, oh, I, I don't have this. Like I need to completely change how I approach school and study. Um, and kind of the same with football, too. So Hard to do both Ivy League and play two sports. That's quite an accomplishment that I definitely would not be able to do. That's for sure. Many of us. What'd you, what was your major? Sociology. Very good. Jesper Horstead, our guest. One more segment to go here on Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670 to score. From our producer Dan Barilli, cueing the audience. He does a great job. Nice work, along with Paul Zeranger, engineer Sean Anderson, and Brandon Orlowski. I think that's how we say your name. I was reading Dan's uh, handwriting, and I don't know if I nailed it, but don't be offended if I got it wrong, Tom. Uh, I'm Tom. Jeff Joniak. That's Tom Thayer. I'm battling the cold. I know some people, my friends, are saying, hey, you need some honey and lemon. Right. We'll work through it. That's gargling, what you do in Chicago. I get sick every November and early December. I don't know why. We're brought to you by IGS Energy here on Bears All Access with rookie tight end Jesper Horstead. Thursday night's game against the Cowboys brought to you by Dr. Pepper, the official soft drink of the Chicago Bears. You two guys have something in common, but I bet he doesn't know it. Uh, so... According to my research, you, you've been on a surfboard a time or two, so you like surfing. This man lives for it in Maui. So you guys can talk shop a little bit. What's, what's the draw with the surfboard? You, it looks like you've done a lot of traveling in your, in your life. I have done some traveling, yep. Um, both in high school and in college, I was able to do some as well. Um, yeah, I got to try surfing for a summer, uh, and it was extremely hard. And I did it every single day, and I still wouldn't say I'm good at it. So, where, where did, was it? Argentina, Nicaragua, Nicaragua. Okay, yeah, Nicaragua. Really? There's some great brought, waves down there. What, what brought you there? You guys could talk waves. I'm getting out of the conversation. Although I was on a board once with he. <laughs> he invited me. I got on. I got. Did I not get on that board? Yes, you did. I did catch a wave. Yes. But he also <laughs> no. We're not he, talking about he that. He almost fractured his spine too. <laughs> I have a picture of Jeff being slammed so hard by a wave on the beach yeah. that is actually his feet were kicking him in the back of the head he while was, his chest was yeah, hitting yeah. the ground. That was body surfing. And there's, yeah. a, there's photographic there evidence of it. I know you laugh if you will, but there is photographic proof. But uh, the, the draw of that, is it, is it in your soul now to surf? Um, I loved it. Uh, I would say yes, and also it was so frustrating. Um, like, I, I devoted so much time to it, and it just was n not easy. So I love it. I'm excited to go back. I haven't really done it since that summer, but I definitely will at some point, probably post-career. It gets easier each time you do it. Yeah. You know, the, I think the hardest thing that anybody can ever do is the first time they get on a surfboard and paddle out into an ocean and you're facing the waves because fatigue sets in immediately. And then you think, oh, my God, I, I don't know if I could ever be able to do this again. And then the second time you, you do it, it's just a little bit easier, and your balance is a little bit more efficient. And so each, and then the first time you surf a wave, 
the first time you surf it, all you want to do is surf a bigger wave. And then the bigger wave you surf, you want to – it just kind of all goes hand in hand. I know we're talking football here, but it just uh, sparked a thought. I never asked you this. What, when was the first time you did it, and why, what drew you to it? I mean, what was the connection to uh, – I knew I wanted to retire from the NFL, and I had one more year on my contract. And I had it with the Dolphins, and I told Coach Shula, I go, I think I'm going to retire. And he goes, well, I never listened to old players at the end of a season. I'll call you in a couple months. And so I packed up everything. I went to Hawaii, and I stayed there for five months, surfed every single day of my life, went from like 290 to 240, 235 or something. And when they called me from any camp, I'd tell them, I don't think you want a 225-pound guard. So that was it. I mean, I needed something that it kind of it, it, it puts the same feeling in the pit of your stomach that when you're driving a soldier field on Thursday night, you got that certain amount of nervousness. But it's, it's a healthy nervousness that it puts in your stomach. I would agree. Outdoorsman as well? Being yeah. up there from Minnesota? Yep, yep. Certainly spent my fair share of time outside as a kid. What do you love? I love fishing. I grew up on a lake, um, and so a lot of times the summer, I guess in the winter as well, we had an ice house. Um, I would just sit out there and catch fish in front of the place, um, swim, had friends all around the lake, kayak to their house. It's beautiful. Yeah, best fish ever caught? Um... I caught a huge one this summer, actually, after um, OTAs. I was up on Lake Superior fishing from shore, and we caught this, like, massive northern pike. Uh, don't have inches or weights, but it was massive. It's, it's, it's always those accidental catches yeah. that, you know, you, I don't have my camera with me or, you know, just things aren't in place to brag about it. Right, yeah. It's crazy how that happens. So what do you, what do you, you talked about this as being your first off-season. Um, and you, you can't even be thinking about it now because you have the most difficult stretch of regular season games yep. left to go here. But, you know, are, you said that you took a lot of notes. Do you ever take notes about what you want to accomplish in the future? Because, you know, you think about going to college, go, playing baseball, you just don't have the off-seasons to do anything, and it's got to be quite, quite the reward for you. Do you mean on the field or off no, the field? No, I mean just any, you know, anything. You know, okay, this is what I want to do in terms of weight and body structure. Mm-hmm. This is what my goal is. This is what I need to watch in terms of tape evaluation throughout the offseason. Because I think it's your, the personal investment that you make in yourself is that's when you're going to get the biggest results. It's not going to be when you're trying to encourage to work harder or do something extra. It's what you're going to do to yourself. Yeah, I would agree. Um, and that kind of stuff is what I'm looking forward to this offseason. I mean – I'm guessing the team gives us a, a, a weight plan to follow, so there's not much need on that end. I'm going to just follow that to a T, um, and I believe that that will take me where I need to be for the most part physically. But on top of that, um, I, I am just seeing so much more in terms of like what I can do to be a better route runner, um, and I think that that's stuff that I can really you know put to work on in the offseason, and that's releases, speed, agility, like I said, mobility and flexibility is something I really didn't focus on in college, and, and now I am every single day, and I am noticing differences in terms of my cuts and stuff as well. So that's something I'm going to continue. The thrill that you're going to bring back to your hometown when you go back there and you start working out in local weight rooms and stuff, do you have that type of infrastructure already built in at home where you have a group of guys or a group of people that you like working out with that are going to encourage you to be a stronger player as much as you're going to encourage them? Um, you know, maybe I did in high school when everyone was keeping up with that, but I always loved working out alone. Um, and so I had like a little 
weight thing in our like garage and I spent most of my time there and I'd say gained most of my strength in there just kind of following my own plans and I do have people that will certainly push me um, and I, I think I'm going to spend some time with teammates this summer as well because there's just kind of no better way to train than that um, but I'm also looking forward to just you know really getting in a gym and you know, when you were playing multiple sports, were you reluctant to get too strong in an off season because you knew you had to transfer your, you know, just you know your limberness and everything to baseball? No, I wouldn't say so. I think that I was always trying to gain as much strength as possible without being dumb about it and overtraining because I was in season year round. I was always trying to make sure I wasn't even maintaining but improving, but also not getting injured. Jesper Horstead, our guest here on Bears All Access. A couple of minutes to go before we get you set for Bears-Cowboys coming up on Thursday night, the first of a four-pack of interesting games on the schedule as they start with a Cowboy team coming in with three losses in four games. We'll have it for you on News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM WBBM starting at 4 o'clock with a pregame show and 722 the kickoff. Ron, Jim, and Jay will join you on the pregame show as well. And, of course, all the great programming here on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. I had a conversation this week at some length with David Montgomery, who played in the Big 12 and played at a very high level. Uh, and that whole speed of the game thing for a rookie, you, you know, I've been doing this a long time. Tom's been, you hear it every year. It's almost like the, the day of the first snow. Every TV station sends out their crew to check it out. You can guarantee a rookie's going to say speed of the game. You're in a different situation. You saw the speed of the game for the greater part of the year as a practice player, trying to get the defense ready, playing scout team, working off cards of another team's offense. How did that help you adjust to the speed of the game on Sundays here in the, in the brief time you've been on the roster? Um, the speeds are different, but the caliber of players are the same, and the defense that I'm going up against every day when I was in the practice squad was, in my opinion, second to none. And so to deal with the strength of Khalil Mack, even if he's not necessarily 100% at practice, is still <laughs> a massive adjustment from what I had to do in the Ivy League. Um, so that certainly prepared me and was kind of a, a baptism by fire at first, but then you start to learn techniques and how to apply them, and you watch the film, and you know you start chipping away at that gap that was between me and our best tight ends. Um, but you know, like I said, when I was out there in that first game, a couple weeks ago, it was so fast, so fast, faster than we practiced. And um, I think that I tried to speed things up a little bit that game, and that's not really how you combat that. Um, instead, you kind of got to slow yourself down and remind yourself what your assignment is and what your techniques are. And I think I was able to do a better job of that last game, and it's something I hope to keep building on. Have you ever broke the huddle yet and drew a blank? Because you're an intelligent guy. I don't really see that happening to you, but I think there's a part of everybody's career that – It'll happen. It won't happen often, else you're not going to play. But, I mean, you know, maybe you have a chance where you're going, oh, my gosh, what am I doing on this? Yeah. You can say no because you are, <laughs> I think all the fans would feel better. But Well, I haven't really played that many plays yet. I only really played in, in two preseason games, and I've only really played, what, maybe like 20 to 25 right. offensive snaps. And those plays, like, I had an idea of what plays I was going to be in on, and I could draw them in my sleep. So, no, uh, but that's not to say I didn't in college and face with a bigger workload that I wouldn't, but I wasn't going to mess up the few that I had. Well, it's uh, it's been fun watching you in the short time you've been here, so keep it going. Thank you very keep much. Thanks going. for having me, guys. Thank you for joining us. Jesper Horstead, our guest here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, that's going to wrap up Bears All Access. Thanks again to our producers, Dan Barilli, Sean Anderson, Brendan Arlovsky, and our engineer, Paul Zarang. For Jesper and Tom Thayer, I'm Jeff Joniak. We'll talk to you on the radio Thursday night. 
Bears going to beat those Cowboys at Soldier Field. Huh? How about it? Thanks to the folks from Loop Capital. This is Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score. Have a great night, everybody. Thanks for listening to this Chicago Bears Network presentation of Bears All Access. Podcasts are available on ChicagoBears.com and on iTunes or download the official Bears mobile app. Bears All Access has been brought to you by IGS Energy and sponsored by Miller Lite.